What a powerful time of worship. I, I s- sympathize, and I hear you, Josh. Come here. <laughs> Joshua opens with saying he had a rough week, he had a rough morning, everything fell apart. I wish my da- bad days were that good, man. <laughs> good job. Oh, man, that... I mean, it's a beautiful song, so he did get lobbed a softball on that last one. Um, Wow. We're working through um, limitations, and it occurred to me, as we move into too strong, that there are three limitations that we have in this series that are quite different than the rest. And hopefully you were able to pick up a little sermon note, um, half sheet of paper in the back. If you flip that over, you'll see the list that I'm talking about. If you notice on that list, there are three. Too strong, too good, and too secure. And those on the surface don't really appear to be limits. Those are things we strive for, strength, goodness, and security, and yet we find them here. And I mentioned to you, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, that there are limits in both extremes, and that's what you see in, that, in the series outline, is both of the uh, pairs are finding extremes. So the uh, assumption there is that there's something in the middle And that's what we're trying to highlight. So we talked last week about being too weak. Now we're talking about being too strong. And I just want to acknowledge at the start that too strong, too good, and too secure is um, interesting. That those appear to be things that we move towards. Weakness, too young, too old. Those are things that are easy for us to say, I'm limited by that. But Samson reveals something that's unique, and that's that what we interpret to be a character character. desire, we want to grow in strength, can become a limit, and it does for Samson in a number of ways. The limits that we have been touching on so far are limits of weakness, and in limits of weakness, God fulfills. He responds to our weakness by fulfilling, filling, replacing, replenishing what we need. But in limits of power, God humbles. In limits of power, God humbles. And in both cases, he's doing what is best for us. My grandma Alberta passed away this last year. And one thing that I loved about her was she was, she was a godly woman a teacher, an author, very intelligent, very uh, passionate. Late in life, in her 70s, that was her first overseas mission. Her husband, my grandfather, had passed away. This has been about 15 years ago or so. And in her early 70s, she decided, well, I guess I'm retired. I should go overseas and do missions work. And that's when she began doing that. This is the kind of woman that she was. Uh, She worked until she couldn't work anymore. One thing that I loved about her, though, was even though she seemed to have this firm grasp and understanding 
not just of Christian doctrine and principle, but of Christian practice. It was alive within her. She had not become uh, numb or unaware of what was lacking within her. And so if anything were to be brought forward that would show her the size and the character and the glory of God, she would fall into tears. And I found this to be common in holy people. Holy people find themselves revealed in the glory of God. Now we're trying to be developed into strong, well-balanced Christian people. And so there's, there's this temptation to want to be accomplished, to have grasped it. And I just want to challenge us to fall bare before the glory of God. I am not enough. That's really what this concept of the limitation of strength sits on. We are trying to put our chest out. Make our way through the world and accomplish things and show that we're strong and be strong. And if we are so strong that we cannot see our frailty in the glory of God, we are not strong at all. We are Samson. Uh, I'm referring throughout the sermon to the entirety of the story of Samson, which is chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 of the book of Judges. If you notice so far, we've only been in the Old Testament in this series, and that's just kind of by chance, but not really. It's because the Old Testament is far more narrative in it, and so in this series, trying to explain a limitation, it's easier to use a narrative, and so that's why we've gravitated towards the Old Testament, but throughout the series, we will touch on some New Testament examples. Uh, this last week was Gideon and this week is Samson. And what I love about these two, Gideon and Samson, is that they are moderate, believable examples. They're not completely in the extreme. In other words, Gideon is not only weak and completely lacking faith. Throughout the story of Gideon, you see him struggling in weakness and trying to be a man of faith. And you will see throughout the story of Samson that he is uh, blinded crippled by his own strength, really, but he's not all that. He is trying to be a man of faith, too. And so in the midst of these situations where he is the power that cut his own legs out from under him, he then prays. And that's where we live our lives. If you feel you're too weak, you're not only weak. You have a combination, a tension of weakness and faith. And if you think you're strong, you have that combination of strength and faith. I like that about these stories because it makes it believable. It doesn't fall all the way in the extreme. The other interesting thing to note is that every example that I've used so far, including today, is mentioned in Hebrews 11, Hall of Faith. These great examples of faith. In Hebrews 11, every example that we've used so far is in Hebrews 11, including Samson. So, I am going to beat Samson bloody today. I'm not going to be nice to him, but Hebrews 11 lists him in the hall of faith. And that is because faith and problems are compatible. I've said before, faith and doubt are compatible. Faith and problems are compatible. These are people who are on the way. 
Christians are those who are already, not yet. We are journeying together. And I love this about Gideon and Samson is there are obvious errors in these men. And yet Hebrews 11 remembers them as examples of faith. And you can be too. You can be an example of faith to this church and to your community and have error. What I'm going to do, because I don't, I'm not going to read all four chapters, if you want to open your Bible to Judges 13, I'm going to talk through, uh, and I may highlight a few verses here and there, and I'm just going to tell you the story of Samson, and then I'll pray, as if I have read, a, like the last few sermons, I've done five verses, and then I'll pray. So instead, I'm going to move through this and explain, and I'll pull out a few verses here and there, and I'll pray, and we'll move into uh, proclamation. Chapter 13 is the birth of Samson, which is highly unique for the judges. There are no other judges that get a birth story like this. It rivals the birth story of Jesus in its length. An angel of the Lord comes and speaks to a barren woman. Says you're going to have a child. Here's what you are to name him. Isn't that interesting? We think about that. There's some interesting dynamics between the father and the mother. Mother is never named, the father is named, but the father is clueless, has no idea what's going on. The father is, or the mother is the one who is catching on and grasping what is happening. And three different times in one chapter, the Nazarite vow is explained. Nazarite at that time meant just set aside, it's a special vow, meaning don't eat these things, don't cut the hair, don't... Um, drink any wine, don't touch dead bodies, Nazarite vow. Three times in one chapter, the Nazarite vow is described. And that's intentional. The author is trying to make sure that we catch the point. Samson has taken a vow, and so is his parents. Moving into chapter 14, we skip Samson's childhood, and we move directly to an age where he now wants to get married. He's seen a woman. Philistine woman. Most of the time we would say that this man should not marry a Philistine because she's from another nation, but says that um, in verse 4, his parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. And this was mentioned in Samson's birth story. The purpose of his life was to lead the Philistine, lead the Israelites over the Philistines. And so this marriage was an idea that God put into Samson's life to create a scenario where the Philistines could be overcome. So he tells his parents, I've seen this woman and I want to marry her. So it says in verse 5, Samson went down to Timnah together. Uh, with his father and mother, and they're going to find this woman. A lion attacks him. He kills the lion. They move on. They come back, and as they're coming back, he sees the lion carcass, and there's honey in it. He eats the honey, gives the honey to his parents. Then he tells a riddle at the wedding uh, for entertainment, I guess, and nobody can guess it. He gets furiously angry when he is tricked by this woman he loved to giving away the riddle. Everybody gets it, so he kills all of them. Then in revenge, they burn the woman that he married. Isn't he powerful? Chapter 15. 
Chapter 16, he sleeps with a prostitute. Then he falls in love with Delilah, and it says nowhere that Delilah fell in love with him. Instead, the Philistines are still angry, so they plot against him, and Delilah is used as a snare or a trap to defeat him. And he is so overcome with his own strength, he can't even figure it out. In fact, he jokes with him. He jokes. She's trying to find out what makes him strong, and he jokes around with them, not even occurring to him that if he were to tell them, why do you think they want to know? Sure enough, he tells her. Verse 17 of chapter 16. So he told her everything. No razor's ever been used on my head because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God before my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. So they cut his hair. He had no strength. He became a circus attraction. And in the very end of his life, he was brought in to perform. And in this odd cooperation between broken strong man and his faith and God's desire to still do something with his life, the blinded Samson pushes down the pillars because the Spirit of the Lord gave him strength again and it killed many Philistine leaders and himself. The end. Lord, you have inspired this to be written down. And not just as a story and written in any old way, but God, you wanted it written down like this. Now help us to speak and hear and receive and think and consider. Help us to soak it in. Teach us this morning. We give this to you. Amen. You see in your notes that I've, um, I've changed the way that the notes are formatted. And it's, well, I'm trying to figure out how to do this because last week I felt like the structure of the service could be better. And the notes were just, there was a lot. And there was stuff up here. And so I was preaching and watching. Wow, we have a lot of things that are going on everywhere. A lot of information. So trying to simplify it down and find a good pace and rhythm together the reason that the notes are structured the way that they are is just to give you the very basic, these are the things we're hitting, and then a space for you to write down whatever thoughts you think are important. I don't want to prescript what I think the Holy Spirit should say to you. I'll just let you know kind of the outline of the sermon, and then if there's something the Holy Spirit says to you, uh, it, it's specific for you, probably, and so write that down in that empty space. So in, the first, in those three uh, sections there, we're going to look at three ways that Samson was strong and how Christ does it better. So Samson is strong in selfishness. Samson's strength was selfish. Do you know he's the only judge where leadership is even a part of the conversation? Judges 13.5 he will take the lead. No other judge, leadership isn't mentioned. There's a task at hand, but not necessarily leadership. And interestingly, 
Samson leads no one. He gets four chapters. He leads no one. He did powerful things, but he did them alone. He thought alone. He traveled alone. He f- wow, he's strong. He has an, uh, I got it, I got it, I got it, kind of strength. Hey, do you need a hand? No, I got it, I got it. Is your strength leading anybody? Are you an I got it kind of strong person? If somebody, if you were doing something and you're really good at it and you feel totally capable of accomplishing it by yourself and somebody comes up and says, hey, can I give you a hand? Are you the kind of person that says, no, I got it? Or I see some value in inviting you in even though I've got it. If you have young kids, it kind of depends on the task. Sometimes, as a parent, you want to include them and you want them to learn the process. And so, yeah, I got it, but I kind of want you to learn it. Or we haven't spent time together in a while. Or if it's electrical, no, I got it. <laughs> or I don't got it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way I handle electrical and plumbing. So Christ moves us from selfish to shared. Samson's strength is used all by himself, and it's so impressive. Wow, he took a jawbone, did it all by himself. Isn't he great? And there's people that we know, maybe it's us, and we feel a great desire to accomplish and do things that are impressive, and then we hope that someone will notice, and we'll have a reputation of being a very strong and capable person, and so was Samson. The most capable, powerful, strong, able man to ever walk this earth bent over backwards to share. The Son of God himself sharing with me, with you. He had access to the highest level of resources. We believe that Jesus Christ was not just a man, that he was the Son of God in human flesh. And as such, he retained God's power. But Philippians 2 tells us, as we remember from our previous series, that he didn't think that his equality with God was something to be used to his own advantage. What do you think about your power? Is it for your advantage? Jesus didn't think so. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 and 22 tell us that the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We have a room full of capable people here. And yet by Christ's very example, I need you. I need you. There are things that I can do, but I can't do them like I could do them when we do them. I was coming down the stairs, and I looked over the edge, and I saw my daughter Sophie sitting there looking up recipes on my iPad. 
And she said, Dad, Grandma said that she, uh, she mentioned her birthday. And Sophie is an empathetic person. And she cared for her grandmother, and she was looking up recipes. She came up with this, what was the name of it? Apple? Apple cinnamon cupcakes with cream cheese icing. And they were good. They were good. Uh, We didn't have the ingredients for that. But here is what's beautiful about being strong together. My daughter Sophie came up with an idea. And her capacity to accomplish the idea assumed the resources of her community. Her capacity to accomplish the idea assumed the resources of the whole community, not just what we had in the house. And so that changed the recipe that she chose. She just picked any recipe, knowing whatever I lack, we have it. So she went to the neighbors, knocking on doors to fill what she was lacking, and she made exactly what was needed, and it was delicious. What are you cooking? If all that we think about is what we can do, we have a very small recipe book. If we think about all that we have, even from conception, Our ideas are bigger. I have at my house a one half inch masonry bit and a post hole digger. And they aren't mine. They're my neighbors. I move forward in a project thinking if I don't have it, somebody does. You might be powerful, but I promise We are more powerful. Samson's strong was selfish, but Christ moves us from selfish strength to shared strength. Second, Samson's strength was sensual. Sensual. This is a perverted word in today's society, unfortunately. We have a very sexualized society, so it's slowly stealing some of our language. Sensualized just means that it appeals to the senses. Sight, sound, smell. And boy, Samson loved it. Anything that would touch his senses. He just took it. Sometimes the Bible just, by the way, he took a prostitute. Of course he did. He's sensual. By his strength, he appealed to his senses. If you look in in chapter 14, I'm just going to read verses 5 through 9. You remember, he's on his way to uh, show his parents this woman 14 verses 5 through 9. Samson went down to Timnah together with his mother and father and his mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. And he walked down, went down and talked with the woman and he liked her. Sometime later, he went back to marry her. He turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands 
and ate it as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they ate it too. But he didn't tell them he had taken it from the honey from the lion's carcass. I, I read this this week and just started laughing because this is how I know that Samson's in a different league. That the Bible describes, <laughs> he, he tore apart the young lion. You know, like you would tear apart a young goat. Wait, what? <laughs> like, there was this thing when I was a little kid, I don't know if they still do it, is this group of, of really powerful men that would go to churches and they would make these biblical examples and do strong things. And one of them was to tear apart a phone book. And we were all, wow, he can tear a phone book in half. I think this is a different kind of man because he tore apart a young, a young lion, you know, like you would tear a goat apart. No, I don't know how, to, how you would tear a goat apart. That's gross. Samson's lion-killing power, he just basked in it. He was a lion-killer. I had some students in my class in Uganda that have grandparents that, in order to prove they were men, they had to go out with a stick that long, pointed on both ends after a lion. I don't know if this is true, by the way. I'm just, I know that some of my students are watching, and I'm still not sure. They told me that their grandparents would go out, and they'd have to find the lion. When the lion tried to bite, you stick the stick in this way, and... <laughs> I still, I feel like you even got me because I just told the congregation this story and you're probably laughing at me. So I rescind. I didn't, I'm not even going to, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It seems ridiculous. But the fact that we even think that how funny that is and Samson did it. And he knew he could do it. Man, what he could do. And he used his power to care for himself and to comfort himself and to appeal to his senses. Perhaps the most potent of the three points against the American life. Using our power to comfort ourselves. To care for ourselves, to protect ourselves to ensure security, health, how powerful we can be. Our greatest strengths have the potential to harm us. You know, even our shoes. We have the power to come up with awesome ideas like shoes. They make our feet very weak and very soft. That kind of strength applied throughout life tends to make us very weak and very soft. And so Samson killed the lion, but then when he came back to the lion, he touched a dead body, breaking his Nazarite vow. Wasn't it delicious, though? And he gave it to his parents, causing them to break their vow, and he didn't tell them. And so his power was destructive, Sometimes the things that we like and enjoy are sly in their attack of who we are becoming. Oh man, I've hesitated to tell you this story. 
If I were to tell my family, I was going to tell them a story about eating something. Yes. No, I don't. Uh, I better tell it now then so they could forget by the next vote. All right. So here's what happened. I've been building a fence, and when I'm out there building the fence, it's like a different world. And I'm just, I, I love it, the, the, the breeze, the outdoor beauty, the construction, how seeing it come up. And as I was doing this, Jade said, hey, uh, we're having chicken tonight. So, <laughs> she's dry heaving right now. So uh, I'm thinking about the fence, and I'm going up there, and I, I open the grill, and oh, from three days ago, there's a bratwurst left from... Hold on, it doesn't get any better. There's a bratwurst, and I'm just thinking it's there. And I'm just looking, wow, this fence is real. Look how straight the top of it is. I really nailed it, and I took a big bite out of it, and I set it down. And I walked over, and I got a fire going over here, and then I came back, and I ate another bite of it, and I set it down. Half of it's gone now. And then Jade brings out the chicken, so I got the chicken, I set it on the side, and I go to start scrubbing. <laughs> I mean, all over it, they were crawling. I'm serious. In that moment, right then, I said, nope, doesn't bother me, I'm totally fine, this is probably a good sermon illustration. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> I used it less than a week later. Oh, man, I honestly, though, like, the, the rest of the day, I kept, like, <sighs> it had me. All right, well, I guess <laughs> okay, so that's a low bar. Well, um, the point is this. We should be impressed that Samson killed a lion. We should be impressed with great caution. Because those things that we have around us are not going to scream out, I'm going to harm you. If we live and bask in the strength of what we can accomplish to comfort ourselves, we are creating crutches and weaknesses When our strength becomes sensual so that we use our power to appeal to our senses, all the best flavors, all the best uh, brands of everything, all the best this. You know, I've got the best this. I have a problem of when I need a toothbrush, typing in world's best toothbrush and then see if it's on Amazon. That kind of thing, surrounding ourselves with world's best and thinking, how can I use the strength that I have to make my life the best it can be? That's honey. That's maggots. It's supposed to be. It's a sermon illustration. <laughs> so Samson's strength is sensual, and Christ moves us from sensual to sacrificial. Christ, the Son of God, died for me. The holder of all power, 
the omnipotent one. He did not appeal to himself. He sacrificed of himself in love. We say that Jesus was and is the Son of God. And that he died on the cross. As Jesus in his humanity, he hung there. As Jesus in his divinity, he held the very fibers of wood together on which he hung. He made it happen by his own power. How did he use his power? In deep sacrifice for you. Not surrounding himself with everything he deserves. Everything that he deserves, he could give it all to himself. He could make it all happen if he wanted to. He has every power. But it is not in Christ's nature to use his strength to appeal to his senses, to surround himself with everything he wants. Christ's power is out of love and therefore it is sacrificial. It gives and it costs itself. Moving from sensual to sacrificial strength means giving and helping. He did everything for the Father. Philippians 3.10 reminds us, as Paul says, that Paul wants to participate in the sufferings, becoming like him in death. What does your strength want to do? Does your strength want to make your life polished and shiny and perfect? Everything at its highest performing level? How much of your strength sacrifices for someone else who's not quite as strong or who needs your specific skill set and strengths? Samson's strength was selfish. Christ moves us from selfish strength to shared strength. Samson's strength was sensual. And Christ moves us from sensual strength to sacrificial strength. And third, Samson's strength was short-sighted. Yes, these are all S's. A wordsmith kind of a sermon here. Short-sighted. Laughable the way that he uses his strength. Chapter 14, riddles. Riddles, what is he doing? I, I don't fully understand why they get so excited and inflamed. I don't think they like being toyed with, these riddles. So strong, he can't even see the bigger picture. He sees the right now. I want to have a fun party. Riddle, ignoring the bigger picture. Chapter 15, he loses his wife over the thing. Chapter 16, apparently losing a wife to joking wasn't enough. He still is so powerful and strong, he repeats his same mistake. A woman trying to get the answer from him, and he plays jokes because nobody can touch Samson. He ignores the bigger picture because his strength is short-sighted. He uses it right now. What is for now? Nearly every decision that Samson makes is short-sighted. Strength, or the desire for strength, often results in now choices. Because I can. 
I can. I have the ability to. What are we going to do? I don't know. Do whatever you want. We can. Thinking about now. Here and now. Didn't even get the big purpose of his life accomplished. All he was supposed to do, I say all, but he had one goal. Lead the Israelites over the Philistines. Didn't do it. 1 Samuel 7.13. So Samuel brought the Philistines under Israel's control. Samson failed. So strong he failed. Because he played the short game. He won every little battle. And lost the big one. The Bible records, so Samuel did it. Because Samson wanted to win now. Couldn't see beyond it. Are you willing to lose now and win later? How many conversations, debates, positions, arguments have you won right now? Congratulations. Frequently we win now and lose later. Short-sighted strength. Flexing the muscle to make sure everyone knows in the moment, look, look. Those who have changed history in the name of Jesus have not been short-sighted. Don't be short-sighted in your strength. Be so strong you're willing to lose now. Short moments without short-sightedness are potent. Little comments, little whispers, things that don't just see where we are right now, but see the big picture of who you're becoming so that I don't want to crush you now. I'm willing to as far as it appears, lose this conversation to deeply invest in you for the long term. Because maybe maintaining healthy relationship with you for a long time is better than winning over you now time. Samson always won now and failed then. People have changed my life because they didn't ignore, but they saw beyond what was happening now and perceived what could become later. And so Christ moves us from short-sighted strength to sanctifying strength. Long-term cleansing growth in faith. Is your strength patiently cleansing others? Christ always worked toward the longer, bigger goal, not just winning right now, but investing more deeply and more meaningfully, patiently, for what could become. Next week, Jade's going to preach on the woman at the well. Perfect example of this. All kinds of things that Jesus could have crushed in her in that moment. 
And yet he was not short-sighted in his strength. He saw the bigger picture and he invested in her in a way. Well, I'm not going to steal the sermon. That's Jade's sermon next week. But people have done this in my life. I was sitting in a meeting. It was one of my first meetings in Africa and I was casting a concept of, a, of a, an urban church plant. And I was nervous, nervous, nervous. And I had with me at the time, by chance, my friend, Pastor Tony. He was sitting right next to me. And he, I still have it. He just, on his paper, very small at the top, wrote, You're doing great. And he just held it like that and looked at me. I felt like a million bucks. I don't know if I was doing great. But I know that my friend, Pastor Tony, wasn't short-sighted. And he used his long-seeing, sanctifying power, his sanctifying strength to see beyond a short-sighted moment into building this young man. There are people in your life that need you to see something more than short-sighted, to see the long-term, how can your strength see beyond now? His mother named him Samson because it meant little sun, brightness. And the little sun had his eyes gouged out and finished in darkness because he couldn't figure out how to be so strong. How strong are you? How strong are you? The little son, so strong, his strength crushed him. Christ's power through me and for his glory. Christ's power in you is shared. Christ's power in you is sacrificial. And Christ's power in you is sanctifying. As you flex, as you exert and express, are you sharing? Are other people included in your strength? Or are you a, I got it. Are you sacrificing? Are you using your strength to surround yourself with all of life's comforts or are you willing to join in the pain because you're strong in Christ, join in the pain of someone else just so they don't have to be in it alone? And is your strength sanctifying? Does it fight for now in order to win this conversation, this little battle, or does it see the big picture trying to work everyone up into the glory of God stronger in their faith this only happens because we are not strong in ourselves the limitation of being too strong occurs when you think you're strong our strength comes from somewhere else our life comes from somewhere else 
And that is what we are going to celebrate in the Lord's Supper. That I recognize that outside of the life of Christ within me, man, am I weak. Wow. I can't do much. I'm putting up strength. I'm pretending. I'm going to ask my family to come here. And as we move into a time of communion, I want you to think about that. Communion is a participation in the entire passion. That God would see his love for you expressed in a way that he would take your form and receive the punishment of your life on him. That's how strong he is. Sacrificial strength. And so what we are doing here is we are receiving that from him again and again and again. I receive it from you again, Lord. That I will not wake up, I will not go one more breath, one more day pretending that I can do it today. Now I got it. No, I don't. I need his help. I need more than his help. I need his very life. And so that is what this is. It is the very life of Christ. His body and his blood, recognizing that my body and my blood are insufficient. I need something higher, something better. So we worship the Lord by partaking. You have on each side here, if you are going to represent your family group, if it's just two of you, one of you come forward. If it's more of you, one of you come forward and take the appropriate number based on how many you're bringing it back to. Let's go ahead and do that now, and then when you get back to your seats, we'll work through the rest of it together. Same thing for those of you who are watching online.